Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host, Tom Gerrard. Uh, this week, I have a bit of a different format for the show. Um, I was out painting with some friends yesterday and thought I'd uh, bring the microphone with me. And I planned on doing a few interviews, but uh, as the social element of the day takes hold, I only ended up getting one of them done. But um, I sat down with a good friend of mine, Sage, who's a uh, old school Melbourne graffiti writer. And um, yeah, he started in about 1990 and he's uh, still going strong till this day. Uh, it was really good to chat to him. He's always been one of my favourites and um, very uh, grateful to be able to call him a good friend as well and also a crew member. Yeah, he was in the middle of uh, painting when I um, pulled him aside, so I didn't keep him for too long. It was really good just to sit down and have a chat and find out a bit more about him. Um, you can know, catch up in social situations and uh, you talk about you know things that are happening now and you know, things you're going to do and everything, but you don't really get to find out the background behind a person. So it was, uh, yeah, a conversation that was short and sweet, but I uh, really enjoyed it. So I hope you do too. So I'm sitting here with uh, with Sage, Melbourne-based uh, graffiti artist. How you going, mate? Yeah, good, thanks, Tom. Yeah, Thanks for uh, taking the time to have a chat. Like, we're out here painting at the moment, and I, I thought it was a prime opportunity just to, to pull you aside and ask you a few questions. So, um, you know, like you've been, you've been around for a long time. Like I remember even, um, when I was first starting graffiti, like in 96, you're already a really like well-established graffiti artist around Melbourne. Like, um, like when, when did you get into it and how did you get into it? Um, it was geographically circumstantial, really. I think that where I was, where I grew up in Malvern, uh, there was a lot of writers around there, um, that sort of grew up and in the same area and it was just something that everyone really did at the time in the late eighties, it was actually, it was actually trendy to do graffiti. Like girls actually liked it. And I think it's come in and out of trend a couple of times since then, but with girls, but at the time when you're young and impressionable, you kind of, you know, that's pretty much the thing that we got into it for. It was, I mean, we were break dancing before that as well, which was very popular. Um, but it's just, it was just a natural progression of sort of following different sort of, um, ways to express yourself through that sort of subculture, I guess. But for me, it was just the people that I grew up with. They were into it, the older people. Even though they were a couple of years older than me, they were very, very influential. And, you know, when you're that, when you're young, two years can seem like, you know, you're hanging out, two, someone's two years above you. It can feel like you're hanging out with a bloody grown man, you know. So it was, I was impressionable and young and the people I grew up with did it. So I wanted to do it. Yeah. And who are um, some of the guys like the, that you're into that got, like, got you going um well there was two brothers uh, chris and lee Bourne, and they um they used to write in a crew called ltc and that was a crew that was with uh another guy that still writes he had a 20-year gap but he's uh he writes shelf and uh there's a few other guys as well and they sort of morphed into a crew called jsb but in the same area you had the east malvern boys which are closely linked with you know the older brothers for people that were in that crew that were in dma People like Plot and Senna and all those sorts of dudes. They were all in the area and all in, all in the mix. So basically it was just like you were swimming in a pool of talent and, you know, it was quite quite daunting really, to be honest. And, um, like, did you just start, like, uh, sketching and stuff and just sort of, like, emulating their styles? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, 
I started, the first piece I did was just absolutely horrible. And, you know, um, the culture with the, that went along with the people I grew up with was to tease each other mercilessly. And I think it still is a little bit, but so, you know, you just get heaps of shit and, um, you just keep trying. And then eventually after you do it for long enough, so, some older people kind of take you under their wing and then you get a bit better cause they sort of let you, you know, emulate their styles or at least learn some of their techniques or whatever, you know, it's the same old thing. Everyone's gone through it, you know, but that's yeah. what happened to me. Yeah. And did you um did you go through a um lot of different tags before you found Sage? A few. I had I had a couple of really bad tags which I don't want to talk about because they're embarrassing and you know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> but um I don't know. I just sort of settled on Sage. I wrote Sake for a couple of years and Sage, but then settled on Sage sort of around 94, 95, I think, something like that. Yeah. Like you were um like always known to me as someone with like unique style. It was like re- always really flowy um, and like quite different to a lot of the other styles that were going on around Melbourne. Like where, like where, who are your influences and where did you like, um, like who were you looking at when you were de- developing your style? Um, definitely uh, Plot and Center, the two brothers. They're just incredible to me. They're just natural graffiti artists. But that whole lineage of, you know, DMA, MSA and that sort of, that's writers of that ilk, Senna, you know, obviously Tame and New, but, um, you know, and you had things like, it was pre-internet, so you had things like Hype Magazine would come out and it'd be full of Paris and Peril pieces, and of course you're always looking at them, but, you know, I mean, I was very, very bad at graffiti for a long time, in my opinion, and I think I started doing some good pieces in the mid-90s. Yeah. Like the standout piece for me of yours was the um the sage um the chrome with the TV in it under the um bridge in Malvern yeah, on the train line. Everyone likes that one. <laughs> yeah, like when when you were when you painted that, did you have any idea that it'd be a real iconic Melbourne piece? No, I still don't understand why people like it so much. Um, I I, I don't know. I really can't see it. I don't think it's a shit piece, but it's a chrome piece with a brown outline. And like a shitty green background. I, I, just, I don't know why people like it so much, but it's definitely a piece that a lot of writers that I know still today, they sort of still talk about it and they seem to sort of like it. And I mean, at the end of the day, you can't complain about it. But uh, personally, I, I, don't understand, I, I don't understand why people liked it that much, to be honest. I reckon it was um, because it was really readable and it had flow. And it just, I don't know, it, it just had a style that um, a lot of people don't really do. You know, like there was a lot of, you know, there was there still is a lot of overworked pieces on the train lines, mm. which, you know, which, there's nothing wrong with that. But I guess it really stands out when you go past it. And um, and as I said, you've got like more of this like funky, flowy style that um, back in those days, not many people were really doing. I guess it was, it was a mixture of different things that you're into, but I get it was quite unique. For the for the scene, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, the, my favourite writers have pretty much been more people that do pieces as opposed to bombers. So obviously, DMA writers have been very influential. But um, you know, I mean, that, it's just uh, I don't see. I mean, I, I see massive influences from people that I was growing up with. But um, I don't know. You always got to try and make it your own in some way. Yeah, I don't know. I just think that there's... I mean, at the time, I was into graphic design a lot, a lot of Neville Brody stuff and the Warp Records sort of stuff, and that really sort of uh, kind of affected the way I was painting a bit. But, uh, 
So there was that sort of degree of wanting it to have a degree of legibility, but also trying to make it stylish at the same time. So I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Like there was um, a big gap there where you sort of disappeared from the scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and, and now you're back with like, you know, with full force. Like, we're, like what, what, what were you up to? Where'd you go? And uh, what made you decide to get back into it? Well, I was hanging around with, um, I was hanging around with uh, Plot, who was my mentor pretty much. Um, and, uh, he was an older, much more established writer than myself. And, and he, I was lucky enough to sort of be friends with him. And we used to hang around with each other a lot. And I used to hang around with a dude called, um, Ransom and him and Kano and all these people, although they have a history of doing graffiti, they were much, they were heavily embedded in the, um, DJ scene. And so I'd been collecting records since the late eighties. And then I started playing records in the sort of mid nineties and, I got heavily, heavily obsessed by doing that and it pretty much just took over my life and I didn't paint probably for about four years, I think. And then in about, the, I think it was 2000, I did another, I think I might have done a couple of pieces in that time, but nothing. I, I wouldn't say I was painting at all. It was maybe one or two a year. And then in 2000, I started painting again and then uh, just sort of slowly got back into it and maybe about eight years ago, I decided that... I'd probably just should probably try and focus on it a bit more because I was getting sick of playing records. Now I hardly ever play records and I just like painting all the time. So I guess ultimately for me it's two passions that I have but I can't really do two of them well at the same time. I can only do one of them good. So I can't split my time. I need to focus on something all the time. I'm not a natural writer. I've met them before. I know people that are really talented at graffiti. I'm not one of them. I have to try really hard to do it. I have to think about it all the time and immerse myself in it if I want to do anything worthwhile that's satisfactory to myself. So that's pretty much why I didn't paint for a while. Yeah. And I, I remember when I first met you, it was um, like I was going to school at Swinburne at secondary college mm. and there was you and a few other like writers who were a couple of years older than us that would always show up in our um, art classes. Like, what was the deal with that? Because you didn't even go to the school. You'd just come and hang out and join class. I think I was enrolled, but I was there. I used to go there for nefarious reasons, not to not to learn anything. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was a it was more of a social hub. Uh, go, I mean, I used to just go to school and get people to leave, and we'd go and do whatever we'd do, you know. Um, but I wasn't, the, you know, when you... When, I think I was in. I was definitely enrolled, but I just wasn't passing. That's for sure. Yeah, because you're a couple of years older than me. And yeah. You, you know, you're. In, it was like you and a few other people would show up, like, and they, like, I'm sure the other guys didn't even go to the school, <laughs> and because there was a few graffiti writers in the class, so everyone would just come and hang out and use all the art materials and yeah. sit there and draw and yeah, the teacher and Brian, the teacher, was pretty uh, chilled and he would just let it all happen. You know. Yeah, I think that. I remember that guy, Brian, actually. He put up with a lot of shit from a lot of writers over a lot of long period, actually, at Swinburne. Because the writers would probably, you know, from that part of town would end up being kicked out of every other school and they'd end up at Swinburne. So it was a good, nice little melting pot. And even a few years before that, there was, like, heaps of writers, a lot of prominent writers, you know, from MSA and TFA and other crews. They, were, they all went to Swinburne. So, Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I was um going there. There was a big party one weekend, and then there was a lot of writers there. And after the after the weekend, the GC had formed and all that. <laughs> and there was like a whole bunch of guys from the school and everything. It was um, it was pretty interesting. Like what? Like that was um, 
you know, like I was interacting with a lot of them, but I was, I was before I really started painting. Mm. I was just a skater hanging out with the riders. Yeah, you know. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so you've been you've been painting a a lot recently. Like, how how often do you paint? Not as much as you'd think. It's only, I mean, I've got a child, so and I've got a full time job, so I don't paint as much as I'd like. But um, probably at least once a week I paint. Yeah. And um, do you do any art outside of graffiti? No. I don't think so. Not really. And no, I think about it, but I, you know, I don't know. It just seems to be a struggle to find the time just to paint. Really, so yeah. You got your passion, and you stick with it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I get a lot out of it, so it's all I really need to do. Yeah. And um, have you had any uh, like plans on where you're taking your, your graffiti, or you're just doing it, taking it one piece at a time? Uh, I just want to get to a point where I can finish a piece and you know like it. So you know. I think that it's important to be really self-critical and, um, I don't know, I definitely uh, just want to get to a point where I'm happy with it and I'm definitely not there yet, so I've got to keep trying. Jeez. And how many years have you been doing it? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. started in like the late, like 89, I think, but, you know, I didn't, like I said, I wasn't very good for a long time, so, you know. I don't know, probably been doing passable pieces for 20 years, a bit over 20 years. Jeez, because, like, man, there's so many of your pieces I absolutely love. Like, is, is, have you got a favourite one or two? Um, it's, it's usually, like, most recent ones because I just get sick of them, you know. You're just staring at them. I mean, it's a throwaway culture, you know. I mean, I just I just finish a piece and I don't really think about it. I I really like documenting them so I can look at them later on, but... I mean, it's it's always about the next one, to be honest. Hmm. All right. So if um if people wanted to check out your your pieces, like where's the best place for them to see them online? Uh, just my Instagram account, just Thomas Kilrock. Um, that's probably the best way. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's pretty funny that you have to say that. I mean, but that's the age we live in, really. I guess that's the best way to find out what someone's been doing by seeing what they're doing on Instagram. You know, yeah. as opposed to, you know, you can drive to a certain area or, you know, look at where you really should be looking for sort of graffiti, which is on trains. Yeah. Did you get into the um, train culture much? Um, I painted, definitely painted a few trains. Not as, not as, not that many though. Um, and I hung out with people that painted them all the time. And so, I don't know, probably did about 10 or 12 panels, I think, but... Mm-hmm. I never did a good one that I like, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, um, thanks for taking the time to sit down and have a chat. I'll let you get back to your piece. No worries. Thanks, man. All right. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. To find out more about today's guest, go to benchtalkpodcast.com. There you'll find all previous episodes and images of the guest's artwork. Also, follow us on Instagram, bench underscore talk. There you can keep up to date with all things that are happening with the podcast. Bench Talk's also streaming on SoundCloud and Facebook. Just simply search for Bench Talk Podcast. Or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. While you're there, don't forget to rate and review. It helps get the word out. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to tell a friend. Thanks again for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode. Bye.